0: you work it, Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. who you are that is who you are that is who you are that is who you that is why we trust you God that is who you are that is who you are that is who you are that is who darkness my god that is who you are yes you are you are way maker miracle work promise keeper light in, in the darkness. darkness my god that is who you are oh that is who you are, who you are. that is who you are that is who you are. 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 Amen. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm in love and by I am loved by you. Who I am. It's who who I am. Yes. It's
1: who I am. Heavenly Father, we worship you. We thank you so much that we are loved, Lord God, by you. That our identity is found in you what the world would try and label us, Lord God, not what even ourselves sometimes would try and label us, Lord Jesus, but you, you, you alone, the creator, the maker of who we are, Lord Jesus. And your word says that you look down and you smile upon your children, that you desire to favor your children. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that that we would just let aside all the concerns, the doubts, the worries, anything that would hinder us from, from just looking to your face, looking into your eyes, and realizing how much you love us. The relationship that you desire for each and every one of us, Lord God, that's found through belief in your Son the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. God, we thank you so much for all that you are, for all that you've done, for all that you're doing, Lord God, and for all the future, the hope, the plan that you're going to be doing in and through each and every one of our lives. Lord God, let your name be glorified. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen, amen. Guys, y'all can be seated. Come on. It's exciting to be here this morning. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm extra excited, cause I get to sit down. Uh, I'm kidding. No, it's a it's a joy. I, I know. Here in a second, uh, we're gonna have Pastor Brandon speaking for us this morning, continuing on in our disciple series. But uh, just wanted to take a quick moment and and greet any guests. If you're here for the first time, if you're tuning in on, on if you're tuning in online for the first time. Uh, man please type something in the message bar below let one of our pastors know that you're here as well if you're here this morning there's a should be a seat card right in in front of the seat in front of you A card there that you can pick up if you're a first-time guest please fill that out you can drop it on the in the buckets on the way out there's some baskets over there we'd love to just be able to connect tell you hello tell you we're thankful for having you come this morning as well those same baskets can uh Uh, If you're looking to tithe this morning, um, we're we're still encouraging it, of course. I mean, uh, we're just not passing the baskets. But uh, on your way out, there's some bins. You can drop your tithe in there as well. There's also still giving online as well as text to give, a number of great options that are are always available. Guys, uh, I'm going to turn it over to our video announcements this morning. God bless you.
2: Good morning or afternoon depending on when you're watching this could be evening I guess if you watch after the fact but welcome we're so excited to bring you the announcements I am not Broadway though this is Kimmy and I am not Aquaman (laughs) you'll have to go back to last week's to get that little anyway uh, we have your announcements today.
3: All right, first announcement is that we are working on a teacher supply closet. We asked for you guys to donate some water a few weeks ago and we are still looking for water donations, but we're wanting to offer even more for our teachers. So pencils, uh, paper, scissors, all the supplies that they or your- Corp your slaves. Yes, we're working on that. Hard to come by here. Yeah. Um, but anything you might need for your class or your um, students this year, we want to help you out. So contact us. You should be getting email, teachers. Um, So watch out for that. We're super excited to be able to just bless our teachers. It's so important.
2: Yes, it is. That next announcement we want to talk about is our CF Littles Ministry. We love our CF Littles and we've been trying to get that uh, rolling again for them. Our hope was to start today, but we didn't reach our goal, but we do plan to start on October the 4th. So if you have Littles Ministry kids, that would be zero through uh, pre-K. That would be a part of that. We have awesome curriculum that we take them through. But we're still in need of volunteers we still need about 20 more volunteers to cover both of our services throughout a whole month and so we try to make the the load easy so if we can get 20 more volunteers to help get this going um, it would be awesome so if you've even thought about being a part of it whether it's a lead teacher or an assistant teacher jump on our website go to the cf uh, littles volunteer link and just fill that out real quick and we'll get you plugged in it's super easy super organized kimmy organizes all the curriculum really 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 well. She's super organized and so it's super easy. We would love I've said super like ten times. That's okay. Because it's super it super so kids is super it's over. Super. Super.
3: Super. super. super.
2: What's the next announcement?
3: Next announcement. We have had the opportunity to be involved with some um, community prayer events throughout. We did Encompass Prayer, and there was another community prayer event happening. It's gonna be happening in our building on Friday. So if you're interested, it's called Solemn Assembly. Check our website. It's gonna be a bunch of different churches coming, and it's actually a week-long event. Um, And the final final night will be here at 3410 on Friday night. So check the Facebook page. It's got all the details you would need.
2: Yeah, that would be a great way to get involved in prayer in the community. So. um, um, and lastly, uh, we get to, I get to, and it's not every day that I get to introduce this next uh, speaker coming up. And so please give a warm welcome to me. <laughs> I don't know what else to do now, but I'm, I guess I'm walking up the stairs. Walk, 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 walk. Maybe this, you see, uh, whatever. See, he just had Kimmy walk out of there. Because Broadway, he'll use it against me. Good morning. How we doing? I got any kiddos in here with us? Hi. You all right? You ready to go? All right. Hey, it's okay if your kids get a little restless. Um, We're family here, right? Hey, resist the urge if it's someone else's kid to do this. (laughs) They're trying, all right? They don't need you looking at them. It's okay. We know there are kids in the room, and we know they're going to get disruptive sometimes. Uh, We love that they're here, actually. It's awesome. We're super glad that they would be a part of what we're doing um, with us as a family. So if you're not comfortable as elementary kids going to CF Kids yet, it's fine that they're still in here. Same thing with the Littles. Um, We appreciate parents making the effort to be here with that. That's a big task sometimes. And so we're in a series called Everyday Disciple, and Corey started it out last week, and he mentioned that it's possible that our idea of discipleship um, or our understanding of the word disciple could be a little bit blurred. Like maybe we don't really understand what that means. And so today I want to hopefully bring a little bit more clarity to what we're trying to talk about as far as everyday disciple and what is discipleship. You know, there's some thoughts and and phrases and things that can very, very easily be misunderstood. I lived in Brazil for a few years. Um, It's where I started dating Claudia on the Amazon River. We got engaged on the beaches of Brazil. I got married in her home church in Brazil. If you're single, you should try Brazil. It works. It's nice. Uh, Only about $1,200 airfare, and you're good. You'll find somebody. I got some great connections for you. Hit me up. I'll help you out. All right. So, um, yeah, it's it's awesome. But as I was there, because I wanted to buy Claudia stuff and because I wanted to eat, I had to teach uh, English as a second language. And one of the things that my students there had the, the most difficult time with is what we call idioms or phrases, uh, uh, expressions, kind of like hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. You try to translate something like that uh, into Portuguese, another language, and you go word for word, it just it loses something, right? It gets lost in translation. Um, another example of an idiom would be cut him loose. Right? Cut him loose. Like we we understand cut him loose. It could mean a couple of things, right? It could mean um set somebody free, or you know, set the fish free. You caught him, now cut him loose. Or it could mean fire him. Just cut him loose. He's not worth it. You know, cut him loose. So we understand it can have some different meanings depending on the context, depending on what you're talking about. But when you try to translate cut him loose into literal other Portuguese words, it 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 doesn't make any sense. It you can't do it. It's it sounds like you're cutting someone loosely, which it doesn't make sense, or it's just really cruel, I don't know, they just, I don't even know, what is that, saggy skin cut off, I don't know, anyway. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, and, and so it's really difficult um, to understand some of those expressions. One time we were playing games, and uh, Claudia was mad because she was losing, she doesn't like to lose uh and so she said uh, you know when you lose and you're like trying to find a reason why you're losing so you're like pointing to everybody else like you're cheating aren't you right so she says she says cheater cheater pants on fire <laughs> it's a thing now in our house like <laughs> that has become a new idiom there you go you're you can use that it's free you're welcome every time you're playing games we understand what it was you meant right <laughs> but lost in translation a little bit. If you've had the privilege of hanging out with my beautiful wife at all, you've probably heard her misuse some idioms or some words. But you get her. You know what she's saying, and you love her, and you don't correct her because you, like you like it. You like her accent. You like the way that, I mean, the kids love her accent. I, that's probably why she's so successful in sea of kids, and they pay attention. She's like, she talks funny, Mom. Um <laughs> I guess it's not fair if I, I tell one on her, not on me. So I was in, I mean, in Brazil, they have expressions too, right? And so I, I was going to this little wood shop. I had to get a sword made as a prop for a thing we are doing for youth there at the church. And um, so I go into the shop and I ask the guy to make us up a uh, little thing. And he whips it up in under five minutes. And so I ask him what I owe him. And uh, he said, oh, for me, just a Coke. And so I kind of look up and down the street, see a little corner store. And I start heading to go to the corner store. And my brother-in-law, with me right there, gradually said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to go get the man a Coke. And the whole shop, the whole shop, busted out laughing. Like, they're all laughing at me. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what's going on. And then he proceeds to explain that here in Brazil, when we say, for me, just a Coke, it means I just want a few dollars. Just give the guy five dollars. That's all he wants. He doesn't want a Coke. So uh, it's really easy um, It's really easy to, to get things mixed up. It's really easy to misunderstand things, even in our own language. Okay, I'm going to show you some of our own idioms, our own expressions. I'm going to show you two different ways that we may have said them. And I want you to, to see which one you think is right. All right, so I'm going to ask for your participation. Um, and if you're online with us, you can just type in, the, you know, type in the comment there which one you think is right. All right, give a thumbs up or whatever. But the first one, uh, the first one's this. Let's see. Let's see if you get this one. You have another thing coming. How many of y'all think that's right? You think that one's right? I would raise my hand on that one. I think that one's right, right? You have another thing coming, right? If you think this is what's going to happen, you have another thing coming. Did you know that that's not right? This is the right one. You said it didn't change. That did. The, the, The G changed to a K. You have another think coming. That doesn't sound right, does it? But that's what the expression actually is. Somebody said thing at some point and it got repeated and now we just think it's another thing. But the reality is the expression is based on if you think, that this is the way you're thinking, then you need to think again, right? And so the right expression is you have another think coming. It's really easy uh, for expressions to kind of be mixed up. But, you know, it's a thing now. You have a, you, Either way, it's a thing now. But this one sounds weird to us. Probably not up north. I don't know. Here's another one. If you're up north, we love you. Uh you have an uh I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Does that sound strange to anybody? Or is it this or is it this one? Which one? Which one? I've always heard I could care less, all right? And I and we say that and you know what I mean, but the right phrase is I couldn't care Less. I care so little that there's no more care that I couldn't that I can have. Right? <laughs> I couldn't care less. There's nothing to, to care less about. Where if we say I could care less, it's almost like we're saying I care so much I probably should care a little less. Right? <laughs> so it's a completely different meanings. Right? So even in our own language, we can get things mixed up. What about this one? How many of y'all think that one's right? I won't say the word, I know there's kids in the, just kidding. Or is it this one? That makes a whole lot more sense, right? Forever, I thought it was nipping it in the butt, but, oh man, I said I wasn't going to say the word, shoot. Forever, I thought, but th- that makes a lot more sense. It's it's like the songs that you sing and you, the lyrics you hear and they don't make, and then you realize, oh, it's not that word, you know, it's like. Let angels' prostate fall. Like, that R is really important, right, Dr. Wyckoff? (laughs) Can you you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine uh, the angels up there were, like, singing? (laughs) They're like, hey, Michael, they're singing about your... Yeah, anyway. That's actually a Tim Hawkins joke. I stole that. All right, here's the last one. Is it this? Baited breath? Or this? If you think it's the second one, you probably have some really nasty breath. Worm breath. It's the first one. I wouldn't really have even paid attention, but yeah, you can look it up. I promise, it's true. <laughs> but I go through all that fun just to kind of illustrate... That it's possible to misunderstand things, right? It's possible to kind of get an idea and kind of know what we're talking about, but yet still say things a little wrong. It gets misunderstood, our words, they get misunderstood or misheard, and they get repeated and then it becomes a thing. It's a good thing we have the Internet. It helps us a lot. The same is true. <laughs> the same is true with the kingdom of God, with the gospel and with discipleship, or it can be true, right? Things can be misinterpreted misunderstood or misheard, and then repeated or replicated or taught again and again, and then it becomes a thing, and it becomes something that it was never meant to be in the first place, a good thing we have the Holy Spirit for that, right? And so as we kind of dive into this today, I, I want to um, encourage you, let's approach this idea and this concept of everyday discipleship and what discipleship is thinking that there is a possibility that the way that I've been brought up or the way that I'm currently thinking maybe not may not be necessarily wrong, but there might be some more, some more facets of it. There might be some more understanding that I could have about it. There could be some little things that I've missed. And so let's dive into this today thinking, you know what, I, maybe I don't know exactly what discipleship is. Maybe I don't know exactly what is meant when the They say the gospel, or maybe I don't know exactly the clarity of what God is intending for my life on those issues. And in fact, I I pray that God would lead us and guide us today into all truth. You know, we can be so confident sometimes that we know that that's right. Like just like some of those phrases, you were probably so confident that one way was right because that's the way you were always told. But in reality, you know, I was uh, coming back from Sherman this week and I was so confident that I was on 75 going the right direction. I was, I knew I was headed to Paris, but no matter how I rearranged the letters in Denison, it is not Paris. (laughs) I knew I was going to Paris. And if I wouldn't admit that, okay, I was wrong and and made the effort, even though I didn't want to make the effort because I'd lose all this time of turning around, I would just keep going and end up in Oklahoma. Nobody wants to go to Oklahoma. You know I love you Oklahomans. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Cuz uh yeah, even Nazareth got Jesus, so you're all right. That's a church joke. If you didn't get it, it's okay. It's not that good anyway. Let's let's pray. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I pray, Psalms 139, the end of it for us, that you would search us, that you would know us, you would test our anxious thoughts, that you'd point out anything in us that offends you and that you would lead us along a path of everlasting life. Amen? That is the path we want to be on, right? A path of everlasting life, not a path of Denison. Understanding discipleship, is an important, very important thing. You know, when we understand discipleship, following Jesus gets better. It's it way better. It gets easier. Even when it's hard, it's easier. Even when it's difficult, it's peaceful. When we understand discipleship, church gets better. We, we come not out of obligation or duty or to make ourselves feel better or to check a box, but when we understand true discipleship, This gathering and what we're doing and what we're trying to accomplish, not just here today in this four walls, but church, it gets better. You know, when we understand true discipleship, relationships get better. Trust gets better. When we understand true discipleship, purpose and life direction gets better. We discover things about ourselves that maybe God had intended for us to be. We discover new things. You know, the results of true discipleship in the people that were around and the men and women that were around Jesus there was something that switched in them later on. There was a there was a long time there where people were trying to follow Jesus and trying to figure out what was going on, and Jesus was calling and they didn't really believe, but they were trying to and they wanted to, and they were moving, you know, kind of with him, and they were learning things a little bit at a time. But at some point there was a switch that was flipped. Because even James, the brother, the half brother of Jesus, he didn't believe Jesus while he was walking on the earth. He, in fact, he mocked him, right? I mean, you got to kind of hand that to him because if your brother was telling you that he was the son of God, right, the Messiah, that would be a little hard to swallow. But something happened. James understood true discipleship and became the leader at the church of Jerusalem. And he believed in Jesus so much so that he preached even though they threw him from the temple to die and beat him to death. He would not say that Jesus wasn't the way. He believed something Something changed. There was, a, there was a light switch that flipped because he understood what true discipleship was. In everyday discipleship, I want to encourage you as we kind of continue into this, is everyday discipleship, it may sound like an idiom from another language, but that language is gospel language. And what's great about gospel language is that it's easy to become fluent in. And what's great about gospel language is, is that we have a help, a teacher, 24-7, Anytime, anywhere, any place that will lead us and guide us through it. And so let's look at some of the things that this helper, through the words of Jesus, can teach us this morning about what everyday discipleship is. We're going to look at John chapter 8. And we'll throw the scripture on the screen, but we'll stay in John chapter 8 for this whole time. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there or you can pull it up on your phone. I'm going to read in the English Standard Version. But John, who, who is writing this, who recorded the words of Jesus, which John, by the way, by John's words, is Jesus' favorite, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we can give it to him. If you get boiled to death, or they try to boil you to death, and you're still preaching the gospel, and then they try to poison you to death, and you're still preaching the gospel, they can't kill you, so they have to exile you to an island, so you can't be around people to preach a gospel— He's probably pretty close to Jesus, I would think. So I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll let him say that he's the favorite because I, I don't care to be boiled to death. That's that, I'm, that's fine. I'm good. John, you can have that one. Um, and so anyway, he writes some things that Jesus says. And it says, again, in verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you ever stumbled around in the dark before? You ever tried to get across your house without turning the lights on because you didn't want to wake anybody up? or because this motion is too difficult for some reason, right? At 3 in the morning, a lot of things are difficult. But you stumble across the, the, the room, and usually if it's your own house, it's, it's pretty easy, you know where things are, except when your wife buys a footstool bench thingy and puts it in the middle of the floor where you normally walk to go get water, and that said footstool thing encounters your shin, and you end up on the floor wincing in pain because you were the idiot who didn't turn the light on. Um, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself, and your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. Have you ever tried to reason with a toddler? There's just something about what you're trying to communicate, and you're trying to reason that, like, the reason that we don't touch the stove is because it's hot. So you understand that right? And they're like, no, <laughs> what is hot? That sounds good. I wanna I wanna figure out what hot is. I'm gonna this is kind of what's going on. He's reasoning, their their reasoning is not on the same level, right? When you reason with a two-year-old, your reason and their reason is not speaking the same language. And so when you're trying to communicate with a two-year-old, you usually need some sort of translation, translator, an instrument to translate what you're trying to communicate to them. And a lot of times we like to use good old-fashioned discipline and correction to help them understand that they shouldn't, shouldn't do that. That that's, tends to work sometimes, right? That's kind of what's going on here. Um, the Pharisees are going back and forth with Jesus, trying to reason with Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're not even, you're not getting it. But I'm, we're going to keep going here. In verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me. Well, that's another one, loophole, right? He's always getting on me. He's always uh, tripping them up. They couldn't find anything against him. And they said to him, therefore... Where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If, I, if you knew me, you would know my father also. In these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And so Jesus is there, and he's teaching them in, or, or debating or discussing with them or trying to reason with them, I guess, talking with them about, about himself and about the father and these different things. He's like, Guys, look, you don't have to walk around in the darkness. You don't have to walk around in the darkness. He, the stove is hot. If you, if you touch it, it's going to hurt. He's trying to explain to them. He's trying to, trying to get their attention. He's trying to help them to understand, but he knows he's not getting through. You know, sometimes I wonder if a parent, as a parent, a toddler, would see us touch something hot and scream in pain and get burned, and we show them what it caused and what it did, and then we say, hot. If that would be enough to help the toddler not touch the hot stove later, maybe, maybe, right? Maybe, because ultimately that's what Jesus does for us, except instead of a burn or a scar, it's death, right? Jesus is lifted up on the cross saying, you don't want this. You don't have to have this. You don't have to go through this. It's don't touch this. So Jesus continues talking with them in verse 21. He said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below, and I am from above. You are not of this world, and you are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just as I've been telling you from the beginning, he's like, okay, guys, I'm going to keep telling you this. I'm going to keep sharing this with you. I'm going to keep repeating this. I'm going to keep trying to express this to you because one day, maybe you'll understand. Right now, your view and your understanding and what you're thinking and how you're feeling and what you really are confident in believing at this moment is not compatible with what I'm trying to express, with what I'm trying to teach you. But I'm going to keep saying it because one day, maybe maybe you'll let me turn that light on. One day, maybe you'll let me help shed some light on some of the things that you have some unbelief about or don't understand. And in verse 26, he says, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me, he is true. And I declare that, what, that to the world, what I've heard from him. He's saying the father loves you and the father doesn't want you stumbling around in the dark anymore. They didn't understand that he'd been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father has taught me. Is it hot, Jesus? Yeah, it's hot. And remember that when you see me on the cross. That's not what you want. Let my example show you that's not what you you need. You don't want to experience the pain and death like that. I'll do it for you. Verse 29, he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And he was saying these things. Many believed in him. Many believed. But Jesus knew here that there was something getting lost in translation because He continues to say to the Jews who believed in him in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Are you really getting this? Jesus is saying, are you really getting this? And he's and he's kind of taking it up a little bit and he continues. And we're going to continue here and you'll see Jesus step it up a little bit and then step it up again. He's trying to get to something. He's trying to show them something. He's trying to draw something out of them. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, if you abide in my word. In verse 33, they say they answered him. We are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So they're confused. They're trying to figure out what he's really talking about. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin. So he steps it up another notch here. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in a house forever, but the sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free. Indeed, and I think finally they, they 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 might begin to understand what Jesus is beginning to get at because they're starting to get upset, because these Jews they were the they were the ones that put in the extra time. They're the ones at the Bible study, right? They're in the treasury at the temple. They've probably been there for a, a big part of the day at this point, doing different religious things. They're the ones that are doing what they think they're supposed to be doing to be the disciples, right, to be the religious, righteous people that they were supposed to be. But Jesus was trying to get them to understand, look, what you're doing here, this outward stuff, this list that you're checking off, that you're going through, that is not what matters. That is not what this is about. That is not why I'm here, and that's not why I have to do what I am doing because this outward attempt to modify your behavior, it can't get to your heart. There's only one person that's strong enough to get to your heart. There's only one person that's able to fix and to change and to help you have the kind of heart that is required. You got to let me get deeper. Because in your heart, as we'll see, Jesus is saying, you're still a murderer. You're still a liar. Verse 37, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of, when, of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. He takes it up another notch. <laughs> and they go back and forth for a few verses about Abraham, the religious trying to justify themselves in their own understanding, trying to say, no, 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 Jesus, we're right, we're right. And in verse 33, Jesus is like, why why don't you understand? Why don't you understand what I say? And he knows, of course, he's Jesus. He's just asking them and trying to get them to try to think about why Jesus is saying what he's saying and why they don't really believe him. Why is it that you're, you're this way? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? You've tried. They've tried to trip Jesus up. They've tried to find things wrong with him. They've tried to find things that they could accuse him of and and put him in prison over or kill him over. But they can't find it. And so he's asking them, you can't find anything wrong with me, yet you don't believe me. Every other person that you've, that you've gone through and talked to and questioned and that has, has tried to do the right thing, you can find things wrong with them, but you can't find anything wrong with me, and yet you don't believe. Why is that? Why don't you believe? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you don't hear them is that you're not of God. Ouch. He just, boom. Jesus puts it down. How do you respond when, if, Jesus tells you something like that? We're here, right? Jesus, I'm at church. What do you mean? (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, I I remember another guy who Jesus called the devil, Peter. Y'all think Peter was a believer? But he called Peter the devil some point in his life and how did peter respond i think if we look into that that might give us a cue on how we should should respond but i think peter turned out okay i think he ended up figuring it out it took him a few tries to stop telling jesus that he was wrong but he eventually got it he eventually got it but peter as far as we know when jesus called him the devil he he just went silent he just went silent He'd been walking around with Jesus, so he knew Jesus cared about him and loved him. He, he enjoyed being around with Jesus, so he understood the love, that this wasn't a condemnation thing, this wasn't a, a guilt thing, this wasn't a shame thing, this was some truth thing going on in his heart that Jesus was trying to, to help him out with. I'm sure he was offended. I'm sure his feelings got hurt, right? A lot of times our, we get offended in church, or we get offended by something that somebody tries to correct us or tell us or help us with. But when you get offended, you have a choice. When you get hit with some truth, when something that you've always believed or thought begins to you begin to see it like, "Well, maybe maybe God, I don't have the full truth on this. Maybe God, I don't understand this to its full capacity. Maybe God, there's something about me that's not right." Maybe when you begin to to go through that, you have a choice. You can you can justify yourself. You can go back and forth about Abraham and about how many discipleship classes you've taken and how many online things you've done and how many times you show up to church and how many times you've listened to worship music this week and how often you've read your Bible and how often you've prayed and there's nothing wrong with me, I'm okay. You can keep justifying and get offended. Something happens when you do that. and We'll see what happens here in just a second. Or you can be like Peter and go silent, contemplate and think and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. In verse 48, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I kind of get this image of the two kids on the playground and Jesus is like, well, you're stupider than a rock. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, well, you're, stupider than a rock too. <laughs> no, Jesus wasn't really insulting. He wasn't trying to insult them for insulting them. He was trying to speak the truth. But what do they turn and do? They get offended, and so they start slandering Jesus. They start calling him names. They start trying to insult and push down someone else so that they can feel better about themselves. I think it's funny that in verse 31, they were the Jews who believed, and then, they, and then a little bit on down, they were the Jews who had believed, and then now in verse 48, it's the Jew, it's just the Jews. <laughs> the Jews answered him, not the Jews who believed, <laughs> not the Jews who had believed. They went from believed to had believed to now we're just Jews because. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know if if they were just kind of acting and playing along, because maybe some of them were over in that meeting across the hallway there where they were trying to figure out how to kill Jesus. Just a little bit before that, but I don't know what was really going on there. Or maybe they thought they were on the same page with Jesus, and then they realized they weren't. And at the point that they realized that they weren't, and at the point that they really realized what Jesus was saying, they were getting offended. But Jesus drew out of them what he was trying to draw out of them the whole time, I think. What was in their heart. They tried to elevate themselves, make themselves feel better by making someone else look worse. God's kids don't do that. The religious, these religious, they were stumbling around in the darkness. And they stumbled around for a few more verses. When Jesus says this in verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. You see, true discipleship, that's the very heart right there of true discipleship. I am. Knowing I am. At the heart of everyday discipleship is knowing I am. Discipleship, you see, is not a task. It's relationships. Discipleship is not... Uh, uh, It's not self-help. Discipleship is not something that you do to earn God's favor. Discipleship is not a book, a course, or a classroom. Discipleship doesn't just kind of sit somewhere. Discipleship is not a straight line. Discipleship is not what happens after evangelism and then conversion and then this. But discipleship is this process of moving from unbelief to the belief in every area of life. Sometimes we think it looks a lot like, like these pictures. We think, it lo- we think it looks a lot like what's here on your left. In the reality, what, what true discipleship looks like is what there's a, what's, what's there. We have these, these things going on in life, and we're all in different spaces, and we're all at different levels, and when God's doing and working different things in us, and we feel like we have to do this, this, and this, like so-and-so did this, this, and this. But God wants to help you move from unbelief to belief in every area of your life. Not the way that he does it in my life, not the way that he did it in Corey's life, but he wants a personal and real relationship with you, moving from unbelief to belief in every area of your life. Remember what it says that when you abide in him, in belief in him, when you abide in the words of Jesus, that you will be set free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That idea of abide to live in. I abide in my home, right? We abide in a home we live in. That's a process. We don't just go to our house one time and that's it. That's not living, right? Living is an everyday thing. Day in and day out, day by day. There's a lot of things in my house that I love and that I enjoy, and there's some, a lot of things that I want to fix and change and paint and do this, that, and the other, but I can't make that happen in one time, right? It's a process. Discipleship is a process and not an event. It's moving from unbelief in every area of your life through the gospel, through Jesus. A couple of quick stories, and then we'll close out here. Um. Area finances, that sometimes is a big one for, for a lot of us, right? Several years ago, I moved uh, up here, four years now almost, it's been, and we had just finished building a house before we moved. Now, we were excited to move. We knew God was calling us to move. Uh, I'm not telling this story to say, oh, poor me. you know. I'm just trying to give you a story of God's goodness. And uh, we had everything lined up. Everything was taken care of that if the house didn't sell, we'd be good for six months, right? We got six months. savings and different things that we'll be able to cover everything and so we're like okay god we know we've called you've called us to paris we're going to do this we made some stupid financial decisions with how we built our house and some things that we did and so we had some debts that we were carrying and all these things and we were a little nervous but but okay God, we're going to go and we we went and things were working out and we're and, I, and I'm praying and I'm believing, okay God, I know that you're going to sell the house in a month and we're going to have this extra and we're going to be able to take care of ourselves and we're going to be able to, to take care of some of those bad decisions we made and it's going to be great. A month passes by, house doesn't sell. All the way, 3 years have gone by. House didn't sell. There was there was points this year, especially when COVID hit and I wasn't sure if Corey was going to fire me or not. <laughs> no. That I would wake up in the night anxious, because I didn't I didn't know if it was going to work out. Like, I, yeah, God, I believe you. I know that you're my provider, but this is a weight on me. There, I have no peace. And then I begin to realize there is some unbelief in my life. The reason I am waking up anxious in the middle of the night—that's not God. There is some unbelief that I have in the area of finances, something that I'm not applying through the gospel to my life that I have to wake up in the middle of the night like this. And so I began to, to ask God to help me. Like I don't, know, I don't know how to not feel this way, right? And God's like, bingo. You need to know you can't do it. There's nothing you can do on your own to be good enough, to have enough faith, to make this right, to do this right. And I began to pray from that from that heart, like, God, if you don't do this, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> the house sold. Not only did it sell, it sold for exactly what we asked for it. And not only did we get exactly what we asked for it, but because it had been three years, we made a lot more money from it. And because we made a lot more money from it, we were able to completely eliminate all of those bad decisions that we had made previously. Amen? God is good. And it just took me understanding that I can't do it on my own. That I have to apply a little bit of faith in this area of my life. In parenting, a lot of us feel the pressure of parenting. And and I'm going to admit to you, I'm I'm in the middle of it. (laughs) I don't know if what I'm doing is, is right. I don't know if I'm able to communicate the truths of God in the way that I'm supposed to to my children. I'm concerned, right? I'm concerned about the media that they're, they're seeing and being consumed by, and I'm concerned about what they're around. I'm concerned with the screen time, and I don't know how to sometimes stop it. And, I, God, am I making the right decisions? And, God, am I messing things up with my kids? And I don't know. And there's this worry. I, I found myself recently over the last month or so, last month, Waking up again in the middle of the night, anxious about my kids. Now, and it could be that God was waking me up to pray for my kids. I mean, that's a different kind of feeling, though. You know the, the, the difference between you wake up and there's this urgency. That God's wanting you to do something. And you wake up and your heart's beating and you're anxious. Right? And so I have to pray. And I have to allow God to help me to move from any, and and help me discover any kind of unbelief I have in the area of parenting so that I can move closer and closer to him in that. And so I just, I felt like um, recently, I was even telling my son Tomas, I think I need to take Kyle fishing. Right, Kyle? And so, you know, I'm in the middle of trying to get ready for this. I wasn't completely done, but I really felt like, and just we just made it happen yesterday morning. We go fishing. We went out to Pat Mays, and uh, he, caught several and I didn't catch any and uh, yeah I don't know what that means but I guess he's a better fisherman than me I just don't know what I'm doing <laughs> but I was thrilled because I felt a little bit of peace there feeling like okay this is something that God had had this is something that I was supposed to do on the way home Kyle said hey dad thanks for thanks for taking me I really enjoyed this he didn't say it once he said it six times And I had been praying, God, I don't know if I'm able through my parenting to communicate how important it is to be grateful to my children. God is helping me move from unbelief to belief in the area of parenting. We could go through all sorts of areas in our lives. We could go through sin issues and personal issues in our lives that we struggle with, addictions. We can can go, go through frustrations and anger and job situations and relationship problems and unforgiveness. What is the area in your life that God is wanting you to move from unbelief to belief? Jesus says, come to me. Let me turn that light on. I am. Stop walking around in the dark. Stop walking around in the dark. Let's pray. Can you stand up with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to move from unbelief to belief in every area of our lives. Help us to remember that when there's turmoil, anxiety, frustration, anger, jealousy, bitterness, guilt, shame, heaviness, confusion, unforgiveness. If there's...